Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. We're covering a song for, by the way, Happy Week 2. Happy Week 2. Season 7, roll, trolling right along, Let's rolling right along, on we go. This the season song, of perfection. Oh, man. Here we go. That's right. Completion. <laughs> Completion. Oh, no. I hope not completely. We're going to do right. this forever. Yeah. So, uh, song we're talking about today, 1988, feels like a shopping mall. It just yeah. feels like a shopping mall. <laughs> um, and so I'm thinking, like, what do I look at? What's my shopping thing in 88? I shop for ball cards. Mm. Um, so some, some malls had ball card stores in it. There was one. Foothills Mall had one of my favorite ball card stores in Maryville, Tennessee. Shout out to Dugan's Men's Store, Uncle Steve, <laughs> great store, and a great ball card store. So, Rob, I picked us up at each a pack of 1988 Leaf oh. Donruss Leaf cards. So wow. what we're going to do, we're going to play the song we're talking about, and we're each going to open our pack okay. of 1988 cards, and then we're going we're gonna to say our favorite card from the pack and uh, we did something like this similar, and uh, we had to eat the gum. Yeah. Don't worry, there will be no gum eating in this Terrible. one. But happy 1988, happy week two. Dig into this song. Rob, tell them what we're talking about, and then let's jump in. so excited. I told you before we started, I'm, I'm physically excited to hear this song. <laughs> like, every time I, we get ready to talk about the song or whatever, this is one of the greatest songs of the 1980s, period. Oh, yes. Period. With a T on the end of it. This is everything 80s in a song. It really is. Yes. Let's let's get into it. Jump right in. Dale Murphy on the cover of this box for the, <laughs> you guys who want to know what we're opening. It's the blue Don Russ for you to visualize. There 88 Don Russ and this song. This is Waiting for a Star to Fall by Boy Meets Girl.
man. Oh, almost, yes. I almost forgot and just let the whole thing play. <laughs> I was having Rob such a good time. Wow. Oh, man. That was, tell them what it was again. I was waiting for a star to fall oh, by man. Boy Meets Girl. Okay, and we were opening packs. Yeah. So here we go. I know you guys are highly anticipating. You come on the show to hear what kind of baseball cards we get. We know that. But for those of y'all that haven't heard me talk about, I have this Eric Davis folder yeah. that I've carried around. It's got all my notes. Eric Davis played for the Reds. I got an Eric Davis card. Oh, what are the odds in wow. that? Wow. Same but uniform. Same uniform, everything. But I'm probably going to go with the Kirby Puckett, as much as I hate him being a Braves fan, but 88 Kirby Puckett yeah. um, is going to get my, my winner of best card. I got a pack of losers, except for, <laughs> except for two. Like, literally some of these people I have never heard before. Oh, sure. And something I noticed is a lot of these guys, their hats did not fit well <laughs> in, in 1988. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It looks like, it, it kind of looks like true. they had like a 10-gallon cowboy hat That's, that they just cut the signs off that's of. awesome that's great terrible that's- but my pack was saved at the end by okay. uh two cards okay uh one oakland a's dennis, dennis eckersley, eckersley rocking the stash that's prime eckersley that is, right there eckersley. 1988 that's eckersley just got homered off gibson or is about to true yes <laughs> i'm sorry sorry about the way your season's gonna end <laughs> not, However, not a good finish yeah. but you're prime right now and then i got the diamond kings cal ripken oh, jr yes with the little like painted cal ripken all uh all 2632 games that's right, right. That's, there you go isn't that the number 2632 I, 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 I think it's like yeah. 2632 2105 i think was lou gehrig or 21 35 or something, something like maybe, that yeah. anyway a lot of games, Cal yeah. Ripken, and a lot of fun, and a lot of smiles to be had yes. with uh, Boy Meets Girl. Boy Meets Girl from the 1988 album Real Life. 1988 was just a great year. What I think a great year. A prime year for the 80s. It just feels right. 1988 feels right. This song feels perfect. It, it's all cosmically just comes together yeah. in this song when you listen to it in your ears. It's funny you mentioned that. I jotted down just some monster albums from that year. I know we weren't going to talk about it, but like... Tracy Chapman's self-titled album is on. It was 88. 88, wow. yeah. Poison, Open Up and Say Ah, which had nothing but a good time. Forever Your Girl, Paula Abdul, Metallica and Justice for All, Bon Jovi, New Jersey, Rattle and Hum, You Too, Living Years, Mike and the Mechanic, Money for Nothing, Dire Straits, Dyers of Straits. Dyers of Straits. I really went there. Uh, and uh, even worse, by Weird Al. That had wow. fat on Yeah, there. great. So, anyway, good year. Good year. Um, so this was written by Shannon Rubicam and George Merrill, who are Boy Meets Girl, collectively. Um, and as a special treat, uh, at the end of the episode today, we're going to talk to both of them. Both of them, to get well, not together in the same place, in different places. Right, but we got... But at the same time. At the same time. And this was a surprise for us. That was a literal day of interview surprise for us. Uh, we thought we were going to get to speak to George, um, but uh, thanks to their fantastic assistant, Olaf. Olaf is um, the man. We got, to, we got to talk to both of them, and we had a great time. So we hope you'll stick around for that uh, at the end of the episode. You get to hear boy and girl. That's right. And us. Boy and girl and us. Boy meets girl meets great song pod, right? <laughs> um, this song went to number five on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the Billboard Adult Contemporary Chart, number nine in the UK, number two in Canada, and number one in your hearts. It was the number 12 Hot 100 song for all of the year 1989. So, it, I mean, that's a serious, you know, when I see that stat um, on a song, it, that sort of gives you an idea of just Staying how big power, it got. power, goodness gracious. Yeah, it didn't just come and, come and go, but it was, it was a huge song. Um, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, 
Um, this is a fair warning here. At some point, I'm going to tie this song into the California Raisins. Okay. I'm just, I'm just letting you know about right. that ahead of time so you're not caught off guard. That's our back-to-back uh, California Raisins reference as we had a Heard It to the Grapevine reference last episode. So true. With uh, CCR. So, so true. on we go. I think it's time for a, a California Raisins uh, revival. You That's know? right. Yeah. Cal- CRR. <laughs> California <laughs> Raisins revival. There you go. There you go. What California Raisins revisited. Did you, have the one- <laughs> Did you have the ones that you could like stick on your window? I had actually, uh, no. Yeah, they were like the little ones that you could, uh, they had the little, they were little figurines. Okay. And then you had some that had the suction cups that you could like put on your window. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the saxophone guy. Okay, yeah. And then one more. I had, uh, yeah, I had the little ones that you could get from like a kid's meal or whatever. And then I also had a set that were made from like ceramic pottery. Oh my god. They were like eight inches tall. Oh, yeah. And they sat on my shelves until I was like an adult. I mean, like I had these. Some people get gnomes. You had uh, had California California raisins. Raisins. Yeah, they were awesome. Uh, Okay, anyway, that has nothing to do with this song. Except it will later. Teaser. Yeah. Uh, just a few listening notes from me. This is just some just some general thoughts. Number one, this is a perfect track. Perfect production. Perfect vocal delivery. I don't know why basically the whole song is sung falsetto by the guy when there's a literal <laughs> woman in the group. But <laughs> awesome. man, does it work. Uh, I mean, it just everything about this song hits at 100% um, peak. Uh, point number two, there are so many hooks in this song. Oh, yes. Every little thing about this song is singable and memorable and pleasant, you yeah, know? That's uh, good. From the little... From instrumentation to vocalization. Yeah. I mean, everything. Even the... the, the George's... The way he uh, leads in that last line of the pre-chorus, so many people love you. The English <laughs> on that note is like... That's like... Uh, that's like... Uh, almost... <laughs> It's been so long since I've talked about David Beckham that I almost said Clark Beckham. It's like the way I said it's almost like the way Clark Beckham bends the ball. You know? <laughs> Clark, are you a uh, a soccer aficionado? I think Clark is a, is a soccer aficionado. Is he really? I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's in his last name. Yeah, that's so good. Um, bend it like Clark Beckham. Bend it like Clark Beckham. Yes. Um, so anyway, uh, and uh, and the 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 synth hook is unbeatable. Like seriously, undefeated. Melody line on keyboard at the beginning. Yeah, playing the chorus. It's just everything about the song is. Just beautiful and full of sax solo. Andy Snitzer killing it. Oh, Come on. yes, yes. Um, it does sound. It does sound. And I literally just said this out loud, but I went. I, I went. That is really right. It's full of wonder. It feels like you know, <laughs> like you're looking up at the night sky. It's good, and you see you see a star. You know what I mean? A shooting star, uh-huh. which is how the song got written in the yeah. first place. The Shannon uh, and George were, spoiler alert, uh, not really spoiler alert, but we've talked before about Shannon and George. If you want to go back to our Whitney Houston episode, um, I Want to Dance with Somebody, they wrote, uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody for Whitney Houston, and they were at a uh, Whitney Houston concert, and what an experience that is, to, to, you know, and we'll talk in the interview about it, but uh, Shannon looks up in the sky, and she sees, you know, uh, a star um, shooting, and she just writes down this little hook waiting for a star to fall, and then sooner or later, we end up with this fantastic song. Um, when uh, one of my other favorite things about this is when when George's vocals go up at the end, and I'm just going to play it. I can't even <laughs> I can't even pretend to imitate this, but this is like uh, one of the end choruses when he goes instead of going down on 
waiting for a star. He goes up to the one. And uh, my God, it takes me every every single time, takes me to a place. Hang on. Deep breath. All right, check this out. Hold on to something. Yeah, man. There we go. Dude. Never-ending story. That's <laughs> so great. I just love everything about this song is charming and beautiful. And, and wonderful. Yeah, it's just full of wonder. Um, a funny story. Forever, I didn't know what this song was called or any of the lyrics. I just knew that I liked it. I remembered <laughs> it from my childhood. Yeah. But – until about probably 10 years ago when I like sort of serendipi- serendipitously uh, played on Spotify on random. Uh, you know, I was playing like 80s stuff on Spotify and this song came on um, and I shouted out loud, yes, in my car. And, and I immediately went and downloaded it and started a full playlist based on this song. That's okay? awesome. Um, when I was a kid, I heard it a million times, but the lyrics never – it, the lyrics in the hook never became clear to me. My, the whole thing just sort of washed over me in this total effect, and there was really no separation in my brain between the lead, the harmony, and the music. It was all one thing, uh-huh. uh, and it was transcendent of something. You know, it was transcendent of of something as paltry as like words. You know, <laughs> it was more than words happening, and I couldn't take it all in. It hit me the same way, and this is where I'm going to tie in the California raisins. It hit me the same way that the musical hook hits me on the Motown song, What Does It Take to Win Your Love for Me by Junior Walker and the All-Stars. Do you know this song? I don't know that song. To, and, and, and to, actually, be, hear it, to but... actually be accurate, it's the California Raisins version of What Does It Take to Win Your Love for Me by Junior Walker and the All-Stars because that's the one that I grew up with. I had the California Raisins cassette tape, and <laughs> so I for, for the longest, I thought these were the versions of the songs. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't know that they were re-recorded. Uh-huh. I just thought, so like... You know, it, later I would hear like a Diana Ross version of something and be like, well, that's different. That's you know wrong. what I mean? That's, Why is she singing it like that? Yeah, it's a, it would just be, you know, a little different. <laughs> so let me play you a little bit because I, there's something about the the hook of this and it's got some saxophone and and all these BGVs with it. And it, it just, for me, it comes all as one thing. Okay. It's, it's I can't separate <laughs> okay. these things. It's just a wall of beautiful. <laughs> Dude. Feels good. I, it's for me. It's the same flavor. It's the same. It needs some more synth. You know what I mean? But it's the same. So literally, what I'm saying is, as a kid, when I heard the song, in the same way that there are no words to what we just listened to, I didn't catch. I didn't understand what the words were because of the effect of the whole song hitting me so hard. Uh-huh. Okay, so. I never knew what the song was, and I never knew who it was by or what it was called or what any of the words were um, because I was so taken in by the music and the melody and the harmony and just the feel of it all. So Spotify, I hate you, but in this case, you really did me a favor by helping me learn what this song was. Accidentally Um, stumbled on. Accidentally stumbled, yes, and then ruined the music industry. <clears throat> it was this early days of Spotify when it was still kind of a novelty that we didn't understand was going to, you know, eat New York. Then later I learned it's, oh, it's waiting for a star to fall. That's what they're saying. <laughs> it literally, I heard when I was a kid, it just came on to me as, you know what I mean? It was, it might as well have been a saxophone. Could have been instrumental. Yeah, it could have been because I just, the, the words weren't, uh-huh. it's not that the words aren't clear. It's that I just, 
They just sonically it all ran together. It was all yeah. It was it was over my head. I don't know what to say. Uh, you you were seven. Come on. It's true. I was. I was seven. And you know You're what? Like, emotionally, I have a belly button. I'm still seven. This is wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you got any notes on the song before we go? Before we go into some boy meets girl goodness? Go go ahead. Let's jump. Uh, I got a game. I got some. We can play the game now. Okay. Or we can yeah, play, let's play the game. Let's play the game. Let's, let's play, play uh, this version of Stump the Genius. Here we okay. go. Okay. Is this 1988 Stump the Genius? You're gonna like where I get there. Here okay. we go. Okay. All right. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. It's time to stump the Genius. Take your part. All right, this week on our version of Stump the Genius. Okay, so when people said, I told some people that we had Boy Meets Girl on and we're going to be doing a, a Boy Meets Girl episode, and they're like, oh yeah, I love that TV show uh, with, oh, with no. the Savage guy, right? I'm oh, like, no. no, that's actually Boy Meets World with Corey Savage. And so, well, how's this for a tie in? So, Corey Savage brother, we know who that is. Yeah, Fred Savage. Yeah. Fred Savage. The Wonder Years. Show he's most known for, Wonder Years. Yeah. Premiered 1988. 1988. Oh, Shut up. Okay, so, okay. March 1988, Wonder Years. June 1988, waiting for a star to fall. So we're going to play Wonder Years, True or False. Oh, gosh. 50% chance. You got 50% okay, chance. Okay, True or False. So okay. True or False, Wonder Years edition. Okay. I'm Five gonna... questions, True or False. Do the best you can. Okay. Okay. I'm going to fail this. The voice of Kevin Arnold, a.k.a. Fred Savage, okay. that does the narration. As an adult, yes. As an adult, is by Daniel Stern. True. Harry of Home Alone. True. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Let me grab the bell. There we go. One for one. Rob out the gate with one. Okay. I'm not sure I could have pulled his name out until you said it. I was picturing him, and I knew who I knew exactly who it was, but I'm not, okay. I'm not sure I could have got Daniel Stern. Dan Laria, Jack Arnold, um, did the voice of Ralphie, the narrator in a Christmas story movie. Oh, wow. This is the dad? This is the dad. The dad on... The dad on Wonder Years does the voice of older Ralphie in a Christmas story. That rings true to me. Is that true? That is false, oh. but I thought, man, that's pretty darn close. Man. That was a good, good trick question, right? Who is it? Uh, it's voice? a guy named Gene Shepard. Gene Shepard. Gene Shepard. Okay. There you go. So there's right. some trivia for you. But I thought that was pretty close. That cool. is. Yeah, good job. Okay, uh, number three. Um, Olivia Diabo, Karen Arnold. It's Kevin's older hippie sister. Okay. Remember yeah, her? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Is the real-life daughter of Manfred Mann lead vocalist Mike Diabo. He also wrote Build Me Up Buttercup. Wow. I want that to be true. That is true. Wow. How about that? That's awesome. Karen Arnold... Is the daughter of a rock star. Wow. Okay. All righty. Danica McKellar. Okay. Winnie Cooper. Yeah. Kevin's love interest and a lot of boys' young She's, interest. Yeah, the girl next door. At man. 88. Okay. Wrote six books to help high school girls deal with the pressure of mathematics. Math. I feel like that is true. That is true. <laughs> math doesn't suck. Kiss my math. Hot <laughs> X, algebra exposed. Uh, there's a couple other that are a little PG-13. And do not open this math book. There you wow. go. So there you go. You've done well. You have done three did, for four? Yeah. Three for four? Yeah, yeah. Batting uh, 75%? Yeah. Seven, here's number five. Okay. Josh Saviano, Paul, Kevin's best friend. Yes. Grew up to become Marilyn Manson. False. false. No, false. That yeah. is Brian Werner. One of the most, that was the first major internet rumor in 94. Oh, I believe that. That's Started on of, yeah. Yahoo, but definitely a rumor. Yeah. Um, by the way, this has nothing to do with the game. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Oh, okay. Like We're done there. This is, oh, this was the game just is over. Nice oh, job, Rob. Okay. You did 80%. Yeah. Four for five. Thought you yeah. did very well. Good job on Wonder Years, uh, Stump the Genius trivia. Thanks very much. Um, the movie, Fred Savage, uh, did you ever... He was great in The Princess Bride, obviously. Yeah, sure. Did you ever see The Wizard? You know... That video game movie? I think I might have seen it when I was a little Man, kid. Man, I, I loved it. Introduced me to the Power Glove. I never yeah. had one, but I thought they were cool. It was basically a movie 
made to market the Power Glove, it was made, I think, It right? was made to market Nintendo, Nintendo products. Okay. They talked about Nintendo Powers at the out the, the magazine, magazine that it was yeah. in, talked about the Power Pad, talked about like, okay. like, oh, I need to pick up the latest of Nintendo Power so I can yeah, learn yeah. how to do all this. And it's, I did. I subscribed to Nintendo you Power. You had Nintendo Power. I okay. I didn't have a, a regular Nintendo until I was in the eighth grade and they were super had already come and gone. Yeah. If you had, at that point, if you had a Power Glove... You were elite. You were the, the stuff, right? You were like the 1%, you know what I mean? Um, Those of y'all from 88 better freaking know what a power glove is. Yeah. If yeah. you're liking this song and liking the shopping mall yeah. and liking the Wonder Years game, you better know, you what, know a what a power, power glove, glove is. Surely. It was like a gauntlet. It was like the Infinity Gauntlet <laughs> for Nintendo, yeah. and it had all the controls on the thing. It was amazing. It was, I don't even know what the point of it was. Other than I it guess so freaking you, cool. So you didn't have to hold a controller? Like, one, you man, are the controller. Your arm became that you could point and do stuff. I yeah. think it was whatever. Yeah. Good, I, good song in that movie. By the way, uh, "Send Me an Angel" by Real Life. Do you know that song? I do not. Send me Real Life, an angel. also the title of the album. Oh my that goodness! This song what came a tie from in 1988. Anyway, so, um, 80s-ness all around us. I love it. Boy meets girl. George and Shannon uh, originally met at a huge wedding event for one of the Boeing family, like the aircraft, you know, oh, yeah. like a Boeing 757 or whatever. Um, as I understand it, George was part of a choir in the church, and Shannon had a solo. Um, okay. And George. Um, took notice, if you will, um, of her uh, abilities and her looks. And when they met again, a year or so later, uh, they hit it off, and Shannon George Shannon joined George's group, which was, at the time, a duo, became a trio. Um, and uh, the then trio later became just a duo after subtracting the other person, and Boy Meets Girl was born. Was formed. Boom. Yeah. 757 coming out of the sky. Boom. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Uh, wrote two of Whitney Houston's biggest hits. Uh, I mean, let me say that again. They wrote two of Whitney Houston's biggest hits. That's all you got to do right there and you're set, right? Yeah. Kaboom. They wrote How Will I Know and I Want to Dance with Somebody. You're welcome, world. <laughs> Seriously. That's it. Like, if, if, if George and Shannon don't meet, the joy that the world is That's deprived right. of, are you serious? So they also wrote songs. Uh, so wrote, thank you, Boeing family, for yeah, the wedding. Right. Because you made 80s music happen. <laughs> if it wasn't for you, the 80s is like sad. It's, it's not the same. It's, it's, it's really, there's a chunk of musical goodness missing. There's some from the wonder 80s. missing yeah. for the wonder years. What Whoa! is happening right now? What Whoa. is happening? Wow. Wow. Wow, I, I think I think Mercury, Mercury's in retrograde. Uh, I think that's what's happening. <laughs> week, um, we're only in week two. <laughs> uh, they also wrote songs recorded by Denise Williams, uh, for whom they also sang BGVs on her massive hit "Let's Hear It for the Boy," um, and uh, who is to this point the only guest to completely ghost us on this show. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We We're still going to do the episode at some point. That's but. The, yeah, we uh, and hope when she goes back and listens to this after we interview her, she will understand. We hope you're okay. Yeah, we we, uh, we have a immaculate record, knock on wood, of <laughs> setting up interviews, them being punctual, and things running smoothly. Yeah, but for some reason. We have missed Denise Williams. So yeah. wherever you are out there, we love but you. But it wasn't our fault. I mean, it wasn't our had, fault. We had we confirmation up, up to the day, up, up to the, the night minute. before. I yeah. mean, up to the, the night morning before. Up. Not before they're like, yeah, we're good to go for three o'clock. Yeah. And nothing and since then, then. So we've done something. Nothing. Yeah. So ladies out there, you let us know when we do stuff wrong. Let us know <laughs> what we did wrong so we can apologize to that for Denise Williams. That's right. That's right. Because we we're doing the episode, and I and <laughs> we're sorry we winked at Peaches and had her uh, <laughs> Peaches and her first. Frankly, I. I 
I, I got to say this because I'm really waiting to do that episode because I have the bombshell of a lifetime to drop in that episode that, that came in some listening research. So, so we will circle back and we will get there. Be patient yeah. with us, world. But anyway, they sang BGVs uh, on Let's Hear It For The Boy. They also wrote songs uh, uh, recorded by Dolly Parton and Smokey Robinson, Bette Midler. And, uh, I mean, Goodness gracious. They, they are uh, for a group that I feel like not just everybody can pull their name out of the air necessarily mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Sadly. Sad, yeah, yeah. Um, they have made a an indelible imprint on... Multiple genres. Here, what yeah. he went there. He he went Smokey Robinson, and yeah. then he went Dolly Parton. Yeah, and we talked about Whitney Houston, and then he went back to Bette Midler. Yeah, so that's like as different. I mean, those are that's all over the place. He might as well have, yeah. if he didn't some if he wrote something for like Megadeth, then they'd have have run the game. <laughs> that's right. Yes. You know what? I bet they probably could. I bet George, George could. and Shannon yeah. could. They could write something for Megadeth uh, that would that would work. <laughs> it would be Megadeth's most melodic. That's right. You know. Fantastic. We're going to see something from Dave Mustaine. He's going to be like, I just got this idea. It just came to me from yeah. to, to my good friends. That's right. George Shannon yeah. taught me this, and I felt like I should do it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'm really impressed with by Shannon and George is their ability to write together through tough emotions that were directly related to their personal relationship. That's, let, that's let good. That. That's well like, said. It's one thing to write fluffy love songs when everything is wine and roses, but when the stuff hits the fan, to be able to – uh, not even push it aside and write around it, but to, to dig in and write through it and even about it together. That's really something. I mean, they were they were dating, married, divorced, parenting, all of it, uh, and they're still incredible writing partners through all of it. And you'll hear in our interview, I think, how really fond of each other they still are you know and they and they protect each other conversationally oh, it's wonderful and it's it was just they really both beautiful sing to each other's praises like you yes. would want your co-writer yes. your teammate in this to do and it is that's professionalism at its utmost yeah and it they're just wonderful. still each other's biggest fans you know it's so and it, good it really comes through um and, and so that they, they you know they wanted to protect what they had together as writers and that's very cool and I, i'll go ahead and tell you this they have a new project coming out um, I don't know exactly when. When we spoke to them, they didn't have a release date, but hopefully earlier part of this year um, it's coming out. But they were so kind as to send us an advanced copy of some of the uh, – You're going to love it. It's so good, You're you going guys. to love it. Like – that, that's not blowing smoke. We they didn't ask us to say that, and we and we you know we're no under no obligation to say no that. I listen to it on the regular. It is so good. Um, it's very um, most of it is very like modern. It doesn't sound like they got stuck in time and are still trying to hang. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's right now, uh, and and it's the songs are so good. It feels great. So anyway, I can't wait for it. Um, and uh, definitely when it comes, we'll make a point to. To point it out, you sure. know, when it when it when it does release for sure. Um, you got anything on? You want to do meet? You want to meet? Let's the band? meet the band. Let's, let's meet them. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, guys, we're gonna meet the band that played on uh, this album uh, and this track a lot of, uh, for uh, Boy Meets Girl. Here we go, not to be confused with Boy Meets World. Yeah, never. Uh, George, who we mentioned, lead vocals, piano, synth, bass guitar, drum programming, and the guy does it all. Super talented, uh, George. On guitar, John, I believe it's pronounced, it's either Go or Goo. It's J G O U X. I don't want to mess okay. that up. I'm going to go with Go. Gal. Maybe Gal. Gal? Gox. 
Definitely. I don't know. John, yeah. John. on guitar. John G. Um, did stuff with Joan Baez. Recently stuff with Christina Aguilera, Mary J. Blige. Rhythm guitar for Johnny Lang. If you're going to be the rhythm no guitar, the guitar legend. Guitar on Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. Nice. And recently, Bad Romance for, really? for Lady Gaga. Fame, wow. Fame of, the Fame of Monster is uh, the Fame Monster Lady Gaga project. He played guitar on that. Man. So, John, uh, legend. On drums, one. That's right. Two drummers really? on this, two, yes, on this track. Um, Denny Fongheiser on drums. He played drums on, I love this fact about him, Heaven on Earth album for Belinda Carlisle that okay. had Heaven is a Place on Earth. Okay. The Tracy Chapman album that we talked about earlier, which has Fast Car. Sister Hazel. Um, so, but he, think of, let me show you where this guy lands. So, Denny plays on the Heaven on Earth album by Belinda Carlisle, then does This Boy Meets Girl project. And then does the Tracy Chapman fast car? Wow! Or the Tracy Chapman so so yeah. that's he's this is sandwiched between two big projects, yeah, three mega projects with a great drummer on there. Man. Um, yeah, that's nice. Michael Jochum, I believe, or Jochum, yeah. it's J O C H U M. Um, drummer number two. Yep, two drummers. Um, and he played for a group. I don't know. He's the drummer and percussionist for. Maybe you've heard him. They're called Corn. He's uh, playing with Corn. What? Now, he's the guy in the pig mask playing percussion. He's the. He's that guy. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. That's Michael. So yeah, two drummers. One of which played for Corn, and incredible. the other of which played for Tracy Chapman. <laughs> like we're talking about run of the gamut. And he he also toured with Jackson Brown for a little bit. So yeah, weird. How about that? This is wow. like all over the board. Everything. Do you think that last name could be Yoakum? Could be. Could be Yoko. Soft J. Could be Soft J. Hmm. Michael, we know you listen a lot. Actually, George Shannon, just just text us what, <laughs> how we botch these guys' names. We care about them. We like the music. We're here for you guys. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Andy Snitzer on sax, legend with everything from Clapton yeah. to Bob Dylan to Paul Simon to Corn. Naughty by Nature. What? what? <laughs> Guy plays sax with Naughty by Nature. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're everywhere Jeez. on this. Uh, Shannon, who we've talked about, uh, and Susan Boyd on vocals, um, on synth. Uh, Joe Marnine, stuff with Queen Latifah, Aretha Franklin, George Benson. My goodness, what a band. What a meet the band. Jeez. Wow. I'm glad we met them. I am so glad we met them. And Fantastic. don't worry, you're going to actually get to meet yes. them George here in, and just, Shannon in just a piece. At the end, that's right. And we're going to give you the we're going to give you the edited version a of the interview. Of the we're going to give you all the all the best goodies, but if you are a completist uh, and if you want to hear every last jot and tittle of the interview, we every will time include we it. Sneeze, that's right. Kidding. We'll include it in its entirety. Uh, on Patreon. If you decide to support the show as a Patreon, this is just one uh, small way that we can say thank you is to give you access if you're an interview completist. If you want to hear every last syllable, then you can go to patreon.com slash greatsongpod and uh, get yourself get your hands on the full interviews there as well as weekly bonus episodes uh, and other opportunities. So uh, just one way that we can say thank you if you want to support the show in that way. Um, I do want to talk about a little theory. Is that cool? Yes, please. Roll it. Okay. Um, they use a version of the six chord in in both Waiting for a Star to Fall and I Want to Dance with Somebody that I dearly love. Uh, and I guess maybe this is just a, a pet chord of theirs, you know what I mean, that makes its way into some of the, some of the, uh, some of the hits. Um, and that would be the six minor 
11 chord. So what key, can, okay. you know what key we're in? So in, we're in the key of E flat. Okay. Um, and so we're talking about a C minor 11. Okay. Which truly equates to just a 5 over 6 chord, if you're talking numbers. Mm-hmm. So like a B flat over C in over, this case. Okay. Do you play it that way or do you it, play yeah, C Yeah, it's literally spelled like you would put a, a C in the left hand and a B flat chord over the top of okay. it. Okay. Um, and it lands like a 6 minor chord, but it's a softer landing than a straight 6 minor. Um, and it gives you a really nice melodic space to sing or play in a five-chord arpeggio or a five-kind of melody, and it's just a beautiful voicing. It happens as the first chord of the pre-chorus in Waiting for a Star to Fall, and it happens at Do the... Do you want to play that so we can hear what you're talking yes, about? Yes, 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 I'll play you both. It plays... it So the... the um, it plays as the first chord of the pre-chorus in Waiting for a Star to Fall, and at the end of the pre-chorus in I Want to Dance with Somebody. Okay. So I'll play them, I'll play them both for you real quick. Can we just listen to these chimey guitars? Hang on. Listen to chimey guitars at the beginning. I think that's either a tapped, clean, natural harmonic guitar or, or, or a artificial harmonic done by tapping as you pick. It's just so beautiful. Listen to that with headphones. You've got the, the Sith chimes on the right side and that little tap, uh, tap clean, natural harmonic on the, on the electric guitar. Good job, John. Anyway, yeah, way to go. Okay, so let, let me get you to the, uh, to the pre-chorus here. Okay, so we're in E flat. And we're going to go to a B flat over C, a 6 minor 11, right here. So your bass note is here, boom, 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 boom. But your chord on top is boom, 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 boom. So it's like six, but you're playing a five, seven, two on the top. It's a, it's a weird, uh, uh, uh. Okay, so let me play it one more time. Play it you again. know what to listen for. Right, nice, yeah. but it's over. It's over yeah. the C chord. It's over the six. Okay, so let me play the same uh, same concept here. In I want to dance with somebody, George. You know what you're doing, bud. Yeah, uh, and actually, I'm going to play you the boy meets girl demo of I want to dance with somebody because why not? It's their episode. First of all, more of a rock version. Sing it, Shannon. Two minor, five, three minor, four. Here. That. Oh, it ends there. Yeah. Okay, so that's a when the night falls. Okay, so that that note is melodically set for a five chord, right? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a two. And so it makes you think, when the night falls, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which is what you're getting in the right hand. When the but night falls is your bass note. Okay, let me play it one more time. That's a beautiful chord. They start one phrase with it and end another that's phrase. That's right, with that's it, right. So that bass line is going... 
When the night falls, that's a two, three, six, six minor, 11. Two, three, six minor, 11. Oh, yeah. good stuff. I just love it so much. Oh, I and it. I love it when you can, when you, when you hear stuff that is, you know, is from the same person who wrote it, that you learn sort of what their pet chords are. You know uh-huh. what I mean? They're, they're sort of they're voicings. Yeah, that's, they're voicings. That's his, it's like, that's his chord voicing. Exactly. Right. A, a musical, uh, a musical thread. You know what I mean? That connects things. It's just, it's, I love it so much. There are a lot of, Covers of this song, um, some good and some not. Um, you want to talk about a couple of them? Uh, go ahead. Okay. All right. So I want to go back to uh, somebody that you actually mentioned earlier. Uh, you mentioned Belinda Carlisle and her Heaven on Earth um, album. She was pitched this song for the Heaven on Earth album. She didn't really want it. Uh, she, uh, for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't connect with her. She didn't like it. Maybe she's an idiot. I don't know. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm sure she's a lovely person. Um, but she did, she wasn't really feeling it. And, um, her demo though has since been released on like extended, you know, deluxe editions of something or other. And, um, and so it is out there. Her demo, I think reflects her lack of enthusiasm, um, for the song. I'll just play a little That's bit a of it. So this that. is Belinda Carlisle's demo of, of the go-go's everybody. Yes. She's like, are we done? (laughs) (laughs) Accidental change of the melody for the worst there. Goodness gracious. Pass. Just stop it. Stop it. Goodness gracious. She's like, listen, if it'll get you off my back, I'll sing this demo, but we're not doing this song. That's what that sounds like to me. Uh, Incidentally, I should probably mention that this song was also pitched to Whitney Houston, um, and um, and Clive Davis passed on it at the time because they were sort of shifting directions with her away from the like bubblegum pop. Mm-hmm. So um, shifting more into where she went with like I uh, you know bodyguard soundtrack, I, bodyguard. I have nothing, you know. Yeah, that stuff. Um, She's every woman. That's right. Yes. Um, so b- lucky for Jordan Shannon, they just said screw it, we'll do it. That's right. And. Uh, I'm so glad. Me too. I mean, Whitney would have killed it. Sure. Right? We, we, of course, Whitney Houston would have Anything absolutely... she touches is gold, but yes. in this case, it, it's so neat to hear, and the fact that it's their song gives it a little ump for me. Yeah. Like the fact that it's their pinned song. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, let's check out another cover. This is uh, Milo, the band group Milo. Um, the song is called Into My Arms, and it uses samples both from Waiting for a Star to Fall and Kim Carnes' Betty Davis Eyes, okay. which has a similar chord progression mm-hmm. in spots. So uh, here, here it is. Um, Listen to it on Apple Music if you just want the music, or check out the video on YouTube if you want to watch a couple gratuitously make out all over a big city for like three or four minutes. (laughs) It's pretty much just raw footage of of a dude and a girl making out. And this is essentially an instrumental track. It just has these little samples. You hear it? I'm annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's 
kind of it. Okay, that's it. Doesn't doesn't do a whole oh, lot else other so than you know whatever. Um, so and then there is the cabin crew and sunset strippers covers. Okay, um, and this is really fascinating. And I'm pretty sure we talked to George and Shannon about this a little bit. Uh, but let me let me give it the rundown here. So. A group called Cabin Crew remixed Waiting for a Star to Fall in 2005, okay, as a song called Star 2, Number 2 Fall, Star to Fall altogether. But Sony, um, uh, the, the label, wouldn't give them the um, stems of the original vocals to use. So George Merrill actually re-recorded new vocals for them to use. I know we talked to him about that. Um, Simultaneously, though, Sony did give the original recordings to a British group called Sunset Strippers. I believe Cabin Crew was Australian. I think they were from Australia. Um, But Sony did give the original recording to a British group called Sunset Strippers, which they remixed and released as Falling Stars. Okay? The crazy thing is that these two tracks released within a week of each other, and both of them ended up in the top five on the UK singles chart at the same time. Amazing! It's insane. These two remixes of a song that at that point was old, almost 20 years old. um, They both get released within a week of each other and end up in the top five. It's awesome. That's nuts. The fact that they both chose that time to release it. The, everything yeah. about that story is just crazy. It's it's insane. So I mean, imagine how much this song was being heard on the radio at that point, right? In the UK, you, in the UK, because you would still have stations obviously playing the original, uh-huh. and then you've got these two covers that are getting so much play that they're in the top five. So uh, I think one went to number three and one went to number four. I'm not sure which was which, um, but it's more you know it's more of a remix, you know that kind of situation. But it's really crazy story. It's crazy. That's that is really wild to me. Um, the only, the only other notable, this is not a cover, but you sent this to me, a, um, there's a, a tribute video to the eighties. Oh my goodness. It's wonderful. On, on YouTube. Go check it out. Just look for, just look for, um, waiting for a star to fall and it'll be down there somewhere in the eighties in an, as an eighties tribute and waiting for a star to fall basically is the musical backdrop to this tribute. And it's perfect for eighties. It's kids. amazing. It's got footage from. Ghostbusters, Rocky, Never Ending Story, yeah. Police Academy, everything. <laughs> everything you'd love visually about the 80s, you will see as this song plays. It's just a it's just a perfect tribute to it. Um it's just it's just wonderful. Just like this song. I so love good. it so much. Do you have any other notes or anything no, you want to cover man. before we I'm good. this is before we send it a great interview? Um again, thank you, George and Shannon. Thank you, Olaf, yeah. for hooking this up and making this happen. Yeah. Uh, so much fun. Thank you, listeners. Thanks for everything. Yes. Uh, we we love this. Make sure to join us on socials, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Great Song Pod. Um, and you can also join our Facebook group, Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly by going to Facebook.com slash groups slash Great Song Pod, or you can do it from the main um, uh, Great Song Podcast page as well. It's connected. Um, if you are listening and you like what you hear and you decide you want to go the extra mile and support the show, you can do that as well by going to Patreon.com slash Great Song Pod. Uh, and we have some uh, goodies, expanded goodies for Season 7 uh, for, for every tier level. Um, and, uh, so we're trying to, uh, we're trying to really give you guys some added bonus content over there that you will enjoy and that you will, um, feel good about just to say as our way of saying, thank you for deciding to support the show without further ado, we're going to kick it to an interview that was just surprisingly, the, I'm telling you the interview was as wonderful as the song. 
they're just lovely. They're people. amazing. Guys. I like. I want. You're not to be, supposed to pick favorites, but they're some of our favorites. Yeah, like for real. Like I want to be friends with George and Shannon. I want to ride with them on a boat somewhere. Absolutely. You know? I want to send them a Christmas card. <laughs> yeah. and just be like, thanks for this. Yeah, I, it just just so very lovely. So uh, without further ado, let's get to that interview, and then we'll come back at the end and just say goodnight, tuck you into bed, and, uh, <laughs> and we'll see and you watch later. those stars. Yeah. This is the Great Song Podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with George and Shannon. What in the world? Boy meets girl in their entirety. Uh, <laughs> we are so pleased to be talking to you guys today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, man. Thanks for having us. This is, yeah. this is a treat for us. Thank you. I like that um, introduction that we're here in our entirety. That's really, um, that's just quite an assumption. <laughs> <laughs> right. Are any of us truly in our entirety? I think it's maybe the question that raises. Um, it's true. But we have we have boy and girl, uh, so I'm really excited about that. You guys are actually our first, uh, I think, double guest uh, yeah. spot. We've it's, uh, it's been single interviews to this point, so uh, we'll, we'll try our best not to talk over you. And uh, and we'll you know try and make sure everybody uh, is is heard and heard well. Um, we'll do our best to tag team as well. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Um, I think we'll start a, a little bit about the sort of inception of the song, uh, the, the, of, of waiting for a star to fall. Um, the the story that I read was that Shannon, you were sort of inspired to write this after seeing an actual shooting star, and it sort of started from there. Is that right? Yes, we were um, at the at Britney Houston concert, um, concert in um, Los Angeles at the Greek Theater, which was an open-air theater, and she had just completed our song, and we were freaking out, and the crowd was joyous about it, and I just happened to glance up and saw a star shoot across the open-air part of the venue, and um, I pulled out my little note paper and wrote down that line because it just popped into my head. Wow. And so that was, yeah, that's how it started. What a moment. Oh, the whole thing seemed, the whole thing just seemed otherworldly because, you know, we were obviously, you know, at a moment with our songwriting and everything, it was, it was realized in such an amazing way by Whitney Houston on stage and everything. And I saw the star as well. We we had eye contact about it, and, and I kept watching the concert for a bit. But I noticed that Shannon, the whole audience was standing at that point, you know, um, you know, and, and clapping and singing. And I I looked down, and Shannon was kind of huddled down and, and seated, <laughs> and she was she was with her notebook at that point. And so I didn't know until later what she had done. Wow, what a yeah, what a what a magical uh, sort of moment. Um, that story is told so much better that she wrote it in a notebook. Like today, everybody would just type it on a phone. Yeah, exactly. That loses some impact. <laughs> Writing in a notebook sums that up so much better. That's true. <laughs> uh, when you guys have, uh, when you guys get ideas now, what's your what's your writing process like now? If you guys are like, uh, not necessarily sort of those inspired moments, but if you sit down purposely to write something, what's your uh, your weapons of choice? Do you still go pen and paper? I know some people like to have that physical tactile thing, or do you guys go computer, phone? What's what's your uh, writing methods of choice these days? Shannon, you you answer that. Well, I I know that I have moved away from. Uh, paper and pencil. In fact, because of it, my handwriting has gotten so bad. <laughs> I can hardly read it. But um, yeah, so I usually sit at the computer now. And, um, you know, t- 
to the detriment sometimes because sometimes I'll erase what could have been a good idea, whereas before it would still be on the paper and maybe it would have a little excess by it or something. But um, our process is uh, quite often, and probably most often, that I start with a lyric idea and then, um, you know, I'll just write kind of what we call a blah, B-L-A-H, you know, just okay. sort of blow out some ideas and then um, refine that a little bit and hand it over to George, who will start working on music from there. Yeah, and and uh, to follow up on what Shannon said, I I think from from the '90s on, I went through a the series of those those little hand handheld uh, devices with the with the pen and all that stuff. Oh yeah, and, the palm. Yeah, palm yeah, palm and I and then I yeah, and then I went into uh, laptops, same as what Shannon's talking about, and now I find. I, and I and before COVID nineteen, I I you know in traveling, I would go on long journeys for a, a month at a time with only my phone and no laptop or anything. And actually, you know, um, I have music apps and and uh, and um, you know I can I can tap out a an idea and save it and access it later. And and, and actually, the quality of of some of the, the recordings I've made. We've actually used them in tracks. If there's a, a vocal or that sort of thing, wow! So um, it's pretty amazing. The, the phone, the phone these days is pretty much my instrument. Wow, that's that's <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, and since you since you uh, mentioned, you know, hearing the sort of. Um, I won't say the fulfillment, but a but a definitely surely fulfilling moment of of hearing Whitney Houston performing something that you wrote. Um, the, the the sort of journey and process that you guys have been through um, of being from being okay, we are people who write songs to we are professional songwriters to we are artists who also perform songs while other people still sing the songs that we wrote. What has that, just tell me a little bit about that journey in general. It's kind of a broad question, but, but um, the, you know, the process, first of all, of going from we're people who write songs to we are professional songwriters. Let's talk, let's start there. How did you get there? Uh, are, are we there yet? <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know. Own it, Shannon. Own it. <laughs> I, I've only recently owned that, and I don't know exactly in what regard I've owned it, except it, you know, gives me confidence to, you know, put, like, our new five songs out. Um, I feel like someone who just loves words and music, and that George and I have such a compatible writing style. Um, so for me, it's just sort of home ground, and I almost never think of myself as a professional songwriter because I... Um, I don't know. I just don't. <laughs> I, I where, where it comes up for me are those those uh, you know federal and state forms where they ask your <laughs> occupation, and it's and it's and it's actually been um, it's been such a joy throughout my life to actually own it at that point. And I, you know, my my hands start shaking. I go, I'm a I'm not a janitor. I was a janitor at one point, but I'm a songwriter. And so occupation, songwriter, um, employer, self. Right. And um, and right. so it's like one of those things that, 
it, you know, that that's probably partly where ownership came for me in that way. Um, so I, you err I on think, the side of songwriter versus artist, like you would write the songwriter side. That's what you would call yourself more strong. I, yeah, good question. And actually, it's, it's an interesting journey that we've had that way because um, I, I think it's always emanated out of the songs from the very, very beginning, even even you know, um, prior to Shannon and I starting to work together, it's just that when Shannon and I wrote our first song called good exchange, um, it was so easy and it was so obvious. And, you know, from that point on, it's, I think maybe we both just thought, well, you know, this, (laughs) I get this, this, we could do this. We could just do this over and over again. And that's kind of how it's been. Yeah, and and I I also identify with songwriter more than artist. Even though um, I think before I was writing songs, I was playing guitar and singing other people's music. But um, but the songwriting part of it that just felt like, oh yeah, this is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and uh, we warmed up to artistry. You know, the two of us had been in bands. You know, prior to you know uh, forming. Our, our band, our idea of Boy Meets Girl. Um, and, and yeah, certainly we, we understood artistry and we, and we, and we do and we embrace it. Um, but I think at the heart of it, it's, it's all about the songs. Well, my favorite song on the album is actually Stormy Love. Um, sorry, George. I know Shannon kind of oh, takes the cool. lead on that, but I know she kind of kind of runs with that. The I will rise above. So that's my favorite, um, my favorite track on, on that album. And I'll I'll tell our listeners go ahead and go pick up that whole album. It's fantastic. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, and I think Shannon, a, I like these guys. <laughs> and I think there is a there's a deluxe version now. I believe that's uh, available for download and streaming that you can get that has some bonus goodies. So uh, make sure and pick that up as well. Uh, why, man, why don't we, why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit? I, I had this planned for later, but why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about your new project? Um, I, you guys were so kind uh, to, to send us uh, sort of an advanced copy. And we even got to hear some stuff that was maybe not even in its final, final form. Um, and I got to tell you, I have loved it. I listened to it. Uh, I listened to it two or three times just on the way up today. Uh, because I've just enjoyed it so much, and it's such a great. It still sounds. Um, it sounds like George and Shannon. You know what I mean. It sounds like Boy Meets Girl, but it is very. Um, it is. It is very right now sonically uh, to me. Um, and I'm just interested in um, what what choices you guys have made. What I guess what um, what degree of purpose w- went into that. You know, did you say? you know, we really want to do something that sounds very, very modern, or is it just an extension of, you know, kind of who you have become over the years? Hmm. I That's a really great way of putting it, and I would say it's the latter. It's really a compilation of who we've become over the years. Uh, and we, you know, as we started in writing again after a few years off, um, we we just realized, hey, this, this is fun again. And so we have some songs that we didn't include, didn't ever even really record, or maybe in some cases didn't finish writing because we just didn't feel right, you know. But those five songs made the cut in our minds and our hearts. And so we proceeded with recording them and getting them mixed. And, um, you know, it was an independent endeavor on our 
half, we, we um, recorded them in George's studio, and he can tell you about the recording and mixing part of that. Yeah, uh, I, and it, it is a good question. It, it has me going. I, well, it, it actually in some ways ties into what you uh, said earlier because, um, you know, it being all about the songs, um, we're always writing. Uh-huh. But we there are just some songs that we look at each other, we think, just a Boy Meets Girl song, right. you know. But maybe it's in between records or maybe it's just maybe we're just not in the mode to to be boy meets girl at this time right. and there have been there was a decade where we <laughs> that went by um and um and uh so you know this this latest push that we had um you know we had been writing prior to that and um uh so you know there were there was this you know little little bevy of of songs and they started looking like a collection. Mm. They, they, you know, the three or four of them started looking like these belong together. And, um, and we added one more and it became five. And so we're calling it five for now. And, okay. and it seems like that's, that's going to be our definition for, for this particular thing. Cause we're, we're still writing and we're still fired up to, to write more beyond this. Um, in fact, the two of us can't wait to, feel like we've, you know, tied the, the bow on this so that we can get back to work. <laughs> well, and, and it it's, um, suits us now. It, George has his home studio, so we record there. And right. uh, we have this wonderful mixer um, in Los Angeles. He's a young guy. Jordan Vistagruder, you better say his last name, George. Uh, Let's call him Jordan. I'll slow, slow down a second. It's just Vistagruder. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, uh, he, I'll spell it did, for you. Right. He uh, did w- mixing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right now. Go ahead and spell it. <laughs> okay. W I T Z I G R U E T E R. Yeah, okay. I win. <laughs> okay. All right. Well done. That's that's double points on Scrabble. <laughs> Good old Jordan W. And to kind of tie back in, I'm so happy that you guys have not compromised your sound. Like, if you go all the way back to your first single, first track, first album, Oh Girl, that's like, I know George is carrying the lead for the most part, but I love the clean solo in the middle, and I love the video, which is so 80s. Oh, let's just be honest. It's got the Ray-Ban glasses, casual smoking. Sounds like it's got, I mean, like, everybody's just casually smoking. George Oh my God, Scott Shelley, kill it on guitar. Oh, I love it so much. And I'm so glad that those Dude, are- I love that you know that song, man. It cracks me up. <laughs> to me, like I, like, I still, of all the things that have happened, I will always treasure the fact that we had a top 40 song in the charts, and it had a guitar solo it in the middle. It, it has yeah. a guitar solo, yeah. That's so good. That's, that's so good. Oh, I love that JP. you guys have a moment. I have a good story for you. Oh, absolutely. Please, like, please, tell yeah. it. Run with it. This is for this is when Oh Girl first came out as a single. And, um, you know, we're, we moved to Los Angeles, and we were in the car coming home from a meeting at A&M Records and um, driving down La Brea Avenue. And we had the radio on. You know, I, I forget which one it was. Kiss Radio, I think. And the announcer, all of a sudden, he back announced the song he'd played before, and then he said, and this next song is just plain good. And then, <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> and it burst into oh girl and we were so excited we passed a gas station and there was a phone booth in there george pulls over jumps into the phone booth because who it was kiss it was it was kiss fm kiss in fm in la yeah. So George calls the radio station, talks to the DJ, and tells him he's the guy whose song is being played right now, and thank you for playing it. You know, but those are things that never happen anymore because there's not a phone booth. Right. There's not a DJ. <laughs> it's, it's true. There aren't this DJ. Superman would be in you trouble can't. right now. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Extraterrestrial radio. That's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I got a couple individual questions for you guys. I'll give everybody their time to talk on this. We promise we won't take too much of your time, but we do have a few more if you're cool. Um, Shannon, I read in your bio that you're a big uh, Joni Mitchell fan, that she's one of your heroes. So if, we, mm-hmm. so if we're at karaoke somewhere and somebody requested a Joni Mitchell track, what's your Joni Mitchell song <laughs> that you're going to karaoke? Are you doing Carrie? Are you doing California? Doing Blue? Big Yellow Taxi? That's the smart play, right? What's your... Uh, what's you're, your, what's your Joni there are two songs. Okay, I'd probably be torn between uh, the song "River." Okay, and then um, um, oddly enough, this I for some reason this was past week. Hajira has been going through my mind, so it would be that one. Okay. Okay. Well, we got yours, George. I gotta go. I gotta go your way with musical influences. I know you got Steppenwolf, Eagles. I read through all your list. It's ridiculously long, but amazing. But it's one that's great. List. One that stuck out that that is right up my alley. That everybody's gonna be like, yeah, I am a huge bread fan, and I talk about bread on the regular. And so, so we're at a campfire. I've got my guitar. Which one do you say? Hey, play. Do you want to do everything I own? Do you want to do make it with you, Guitar Man? What do you, What do you say, George? What's your bread song? Oh, dude. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, hold on. Wait. <laughs> uh, oh, yes! Wait, wait. Baby, I'm a want you. Yes! Baby, I'm a need you. You're the only one I care enough to hurt that. Wow. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. Lately, I'm a praying. Oh, you just made my that day. you'll always be a staying beside me. I just sang a duet with Jordan Barrel on a bread song. That was awesome. That was so good. That's the highlight of my day. That was money. Thank you for doing that. that was wow. Fantastic. That was wonderful. Um, okay. Well, I got, um, while we're talking about like dual vocal strength, um, I think that's something that I know you guys each have the songs that y'all lead. Let's just be up for like George has songs that he carries. Shannon, you have songs that you carry. But I think if you got for our listeners, if you want to hear them both as a powerhouse individually and strong together, listen to Bring Down the Moon. Um, I think that's something that kind of gets overlooked in yeah. y'all's pantheon and your catalog. But that's kind of a deeper track that I will um, tell our listeners just for a minute to go listen to that one. That's one that I'll direct people to. I love that one. Thank you. Yeah, I like that. And, and um, I, uh, I could, I could uh, um, expound a little bit on on Shannon's vocal, and I appreciate that you noticed her with Stormy Love earlier. Um, I, I'm actually treasuring this opportunity that we're in right now. Um, uh, Shannon has a song on on our our five collection, our new songs coming up called gone and and she's just her voice sounds so beautiful and i i feel in some ways it was a travesty that her her voice 
think, you know, was part of Boy Meets Girl at a time when the world was fond of divas. And it, mm-hmm, yeah. it, it, oversh- it, it overshadowed the subtleties that Shannon has in her voice. And I um, hope you don't mind this, Shannon, but I just, um, I'm really appreciating that we're in an era where things have really opened up again. And we, I think, I think that the listeners can hear her now. And so I'm hoping that people will go back to our, our Wonderground album, uh, some of the albums that, uh, you know, that have already been released commercially and, um, and take a listen to some of her vocals because I've, I've been a big fan all along and, um, I, I think I think a lot of people will be pleasantly surprised to really revisit some of her vocals. Absolutely, we love to hear you speak. We we agree. We yeah, we are a fan. This is the uh, let's brag on Shannon hour right. right now. So that was good. No, that was that was wonderful. Well said, George. You said it better than anybody could. That was the perfect. affirmation circle. That's right. <laughs> I think we got it. Okay, I have I have a question that I'm I'm really interested uh, in 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 finding out because if if my research is correct, there were two. Uh, cover versions of Waiting for a Star to Fall that came about in 2005. And if if I read correctly, they came out within about a week of each other. Is that right? That they did. The, the mm-hmm. Cabin Crew they cover and and um, and I forget the name of the uh, of the group that did the other. Sunset Strippers. So, thank you, Sunset Strippers. Uh, and yeah. they and they both went into the top five in the UK. Um, but yeah. they were different, right? As I understand it, one uh, was associated with Sony and 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 uh, used your original vocal tracks, and then one, George, you actually did some re-recording. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, the Cabin Crew version, um, they had sent it to Shannon and I to listen to, uh, and we were so taken with their. Uh, they just did an innovative uh, arrangement. It wasn't just a, a cut and paste. And we were fond of what they had done, but they didn't have the the rights to the the master vocals. Uh-huh. And um, and I I I know it's it's not kosher, and I apologize to uh, to Sony in you know in that regard. And I did at the time, but we just resang the vocals. And, and gave them a, an acapella version of of a chorus, and they 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 ended up using it in their version. So um, we we just were straight up with with Sony about it, and they you know they weren't happy. But as it turned out, both versions ended up on the charts. And and the UK radio, this is what I love about them, is they turned it into a contest. <laughs> Which cool. one do you like better? Oh, that's fantastic! You know, instead of being like, "Well, we can't play one; we already have one." Well, you guys have you guys have uh, legendarily uh, written a couple of uh, massive hits for for many artists, but but probably most notably, you wrote uh, "How Will I Know" and "I Want to Dance with Somebody" uh, that Whitney Houston recorded and, and made you know just worldwide smashes of. Um, can you tell us the story of how the first single of "How Will I Know" uh, ended up getting to Whitney? boy um we had a new um publishing deal Mm -hmm. uh with alma irving publishing lance freed had signed us and um brenda andrews came to us with this request and um she had uh received a call from jerry what was his last name oh jerry griffiths yeah jerry griffiths 
and he was working with Clive Davis. Uh, they were they were trying to come up with songs for this this young young you know protege named Whitney Houston, and everybody really thought of her more as Sissy, Sissy Houston's daughter because right. people were familiar with Sissy. And uh, and um, so they, yeah, they but, said she's nineteen. She's got a phenomenal voice. Um, we're I, really going to promote her, and and we are asking songwriters to write songs for her and submit them. And um, we had already written "How Will I Know" because we've been requested to write a song for um, Janet Jackson. Jackson, yeah. And, Unbeknownst to us, Janet Jackson at that time was working on her uh, CD called Control, which uh, was mm-hmm. a whole thematic thing. How Will I Know would not have fit in. Jimmy that. Jam and Terry Lewis, a whole different type of sound. You know? yeah. Right. So they, we had sent, written that for Janet Jackson and sent it to them, and they passed on it. So um, when Brenda got the call from Jerry Griffith, she said, well, we do have a song called How Will I Know, so I'll send that to you. And... Um, and they loved it. Yeah, Jerry was a real champion of the song right off the bat, and and I think he convinced Clive, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he may have. And then they sent it on to Narda Michael Walden. I think they sent it to a few producers, but it ended up that Narda Michael Walden was the one who um, produced I have, it. I have a little addendum that just happened the other day. I can add to that story. Please um, do. Please do. Because um, because um, uh, I I had gone back into the wayback machine and remembered that time and I and I I thought whoa I remember being flown back to New York around that time and meeting Kashif yeah and Kashif was um, he he had produced um, he he had already worked with Whitney on a, on some tracks, and um, one of them was "You Give Good Love," which ended up being the first single. Mm-hmm. And he had um, a Synclavier digital setup back there in his his studio. And I go up and and he and he just pushed a key on on the on the Synclavier and played me the uh, the acapella vocal for for "You Give Good Love." And I, I thought, oh my goodness, you know, she really is good. And I was flown back there as, as a possibility that maybe he and I might want to co-produce. How will I know? Okay. And both of us, um, you know, enjoyed meeting each other and all that sort of thing. But he was caught up in his own projects, and he had, you know, some stuff. And Shannon and I had already started working on our our first Boy Meets Girl album, our big dream moment, right? Right. And so I was kind of lukewarm about the idea, and um, so we, you know, we we didn't saddle up to to do the the project. And you know, it it, it when we came back and um, you know um, you know presented that, I think that's when when Clive went on to send it off to uh, Narada, and and that. Uh, you know, I mean, I the way I feel about it is all the right things happened because you know, yeah. uh, Narda was just the perfect call as far as his crew, his crew of people were were you know young, energetic, fired up, and and he was at his uh, apex as a producer and uh, just knew all the right things to do. Did uh... yeah, he just nailed it. He he added some. Um... 
to the song musically, and so it's really a co-write uh, in that regard. And um, and then he just couldn't have done a better job on it. Nobody could. Well, you guys have been so much fun. One last question, and then we'll we'll kind of tie it up here at the end and just then just chat with you guys for just a, a one minute or two. But question we ask everybody. This is the one we end all our interviews with. So uh, you're on tour, either you know, do, you're on tour doing your thing, and uh, you go into a gas station. What is each of y'all's gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking on it, I'll give you a minute. Um, I get a Three Musketeers bar because when I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and that's the most ounces. They're all about the same price, but that's the most ounces is the Three Musketeers bar, so I think I'm getting the biggest bang for my buck. So I get a Three Musketeers bar. We can either do this two ways. Either, George, you can guess Shannon's, and Shannon, you can guess George's, <laughs> or y'all can tell us uh, your indiv- you can tell us which one y'all would get on your own. I'll let y'all pick the game. Uh, oh, man, let's see. You want to guess each other? What do you think? Oh, my gosh. Well, oh, I don't even think I could. Oh, I can I can guess yours. Okay, because I be, I bet you I bet you it's pretty close to mine. But I I bet you I, I bet you go in, you grab corn nuts and a bottle of Dasani. Oh, you you even got water specific, <laughs> right? Not Aquafina, not Deer Park. Thank you to our sponsors. Just kidding, they're not. But you go you go okay, Dasani. I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer yeah. it, and then I'm gonna guess George's. Okay. But I'd really go in there. This is the me now. I don't know if it was the me then, but me now would just go straight for that Snickers bar. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Same. Same. We've grown up a little bit, and our, as we've gotten older, we said, forget those water and That's corn right. nuts. You give me a yeah. candy bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for the sugar, baby. <laughs> okay. and, um, George. George. George is going to walk in, and he's going to, kind of pull on his chin a little and look around and, and say to himself, hmm. And then he's going to grab a bag of potato chips. Okay. Oh, there we go. Is that accurate? Oh, Does that sound accurate? How'd she do, you George? went to it. You went to my, you, yeah, you got it. <laughs> even, yeah. even down to the chin rub that's awesome that's good yeah that's great well you thank you guys so much we truly hope you've enjoyed yourself yeah. and had a good time we have loved we have. being with you guys y'all have been awesome oh the feeling is mutual we thank you so much yeah thank you rob down here. you guys are a blast and we're thank you jp yeah, yeah. This has been fun, and I hope that we get a chance to do this again sometime. I, you're you're bored of questions. I, I'm. I, I want to get back together because I still want to get in. You know, I want to find out what nine through twelve were about, and so uh, I'm looking <laughs> okay. forward to those as well. You, Excellent. You we'll got it. It. <laughs> We still got some on that. We'll hint. One of them involves Phil Ramone. So yeah, there so, you go. You can yeah. table that. Oh, we got more stories. Yeah. Yeah, we got more stories. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Well, thank you all so much, and uh, we wish you all the best, and we will we will be in touch, uh, and we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. This is The Great Song Podcast. All right, kids, that's going to do it for this episode of The Great Song Podcast. Again, thanks to George, thanks to Shannon, thanks to Olaf. Happy Valentine's Day. Hey, My goodness. Wow. How we, we so, so totally... So totally, totally, totally sped past Valentine's yeah. in this. We're releasing this on Valentine's week because it's because this is a song about being, you know, seeing somebody that you fall in love with it and seeing them as basically untouchable, oh, you know, un- unreachable. And it's the best song about that 
that there is, I think. It, Absolutely. It makes She's So High feel like a big fat turd. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, I, I, I Next can't. week, Tall Bachman coming on here. <laughs> no, seriously, guys, uh, if you, uh, we hope you're with the one you love. If, we're, if you're not, we hope this brought you a little bit of motivation to go get the one you love. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And if you're down, I'm sorry. But this is a wonderful <laughs> season. Uh, that's it that's it so we'll be back again with another great song again connect with us on socials uh, facebook.com slash group slash great song pod or facebook twitter and instagram at great song pod patreon.com slash great song pod pretty much it, just type in any website slash great song pod and we'll be there somehow um, fantasy football nfl dot uh, com slash great song pod there you go yeah we'll, we'll be there doing right. the, the backdrop yeah mlb.com slash great song pod um, <laughs> just try it and see I don't know just let us know what you can find out there JurassicPark.com slash great song pod. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll be back next week with another great song. Until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.